Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, just wanted to come on and say a few words before we play this episode. Katie and I recorded this a few weeks ago, and if you've been following along in real time, you know we've taken the past two weeks off from releasing episodes. We did this in order to give ourselves and our listeners the space to stand in solidarity with Black Lives Matter, to get quiet, to listen, to learn, and to amplify Black voices. We're releasing episodes again now not because we think the work is done or that our work is done. It is not. This movement is not a phase. It is not a trend. This is lifelong work. We are all responsible for changing habits for examining thought processes, and we need to be doing this every day. The work of anti-racism needs to be incorporated into our daily lives. That includes creative projects like this one. That includes our friendships and our conversations. So we are committing here to continue to be active in that fight and in that work. And I acknowledge that this might all sound out of place, coming to you in this space, coming from the host of a podcast that talks about TV and TV romance. However, what I think is unique about TV and TV fans is that love for TV comes from a deeply human place. It comes from a place that yearns to let stories and characters into our lives because they mirror real emotions, real circumstances, desires, heartbreaks, and struggles. Love for TV is deeply empathetic. As fans of TV, we create space in our lives for these characters and stories for years and years and years. So as a deeply feeling, deeply considerate strain of human moving forward on this earth, we as lovers of TV and lovers of TV love are particularly equipped to keep listening, to keep making space for Black stories, trans stories, stories of people of color, and all of the stories that have been kept on the sidelines, and to keep drawing attention to those stories, and to make sure that they are heard. That is what we are committing to on this podcast, and we hope that you, our listeners, do the same. All right, thank you so much, and enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Ship. I'm Megan Fitzgerald. And I'm Katie Butterwitz. And if you've been following along this season, you know we're talking about Luke and Lorelai of Gilmore Girls. So up until now, we've covered all the good stuff and the fun stuff. So what we are discussing today is a part of so many relationships, even those that do end up lasting We are talking about breakups. Boy, do we have a lot of ground to cover here with the breakups. Yeah. On top of that, so this is in order to fuel the ground that we need to cover, but I also think they'd be remiss if they didn't know that Megan is currently drinking a cup of coffee at 7.30 p.m. New York time uh, in true Lorelai fashion. So coffee, coffee, coffee to fuel us through. (laughs) Uh, I just wanted to go a little method today and see if that would affect my reading at all. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we have a lot of ground to cover because Luke and Lorelai actually go through two breakups. We wanted to put them in the same episode because they're both interesting to talk about. And I think one could hypothesize 
that one is mostly Lorelai's fault and one is mostly Luke's fault. Yeah. So we thought it was a nice balance. Yeah. And we'll get into, you know, the intricacies of that more because obviously nothing's black and right. white. But both of the breakups, you know, deal with similar issues and some new issues. And, you know, who wants two whole episodes on breakups anyway? So why wouldn't we talk no. about them together? We're going to put them all together. <laughs> and we're also going to blame some of it on Christopher and some of it on April Nardini. Quite a bit, actually. Quite a bit, actually. So we're talking about breakups today. When are they crippling, unsustainable breakups that a couple should not be able to get through or cannot get through? And when are they breakups that justify some kind of rekindling? When can you work through it as a couple? So we've all been through breakups or heartbreaks of some sort. So to figure out if the Luke and Lorelai version of a breakup is similar to one of your own, we're going to go into relatable content. It may. I'm really getting the hang of this. So you might relate to a Luke and Lorelai breakup if one person in the partnership is all in and the other isn't really keeping up. Mm -hmm. You might relate to a Luke and Lorelai breakup if you're trying to make your significant other or new relationship fit into a pre-existing mold rather than letting it evolve anew. Mm -hmm. You might be in a Luke and Lorelai style breakup if you've got a lingering ex that you can't fully get rid of. You might be in a Luke and Lorelai style breakup if you're letting other people's opinions and expectations affect your own. Or you might be in a Luke and Lorelai situation if you have a secret daughter. Or just any other kind of secret that you are not sharing with your partner. That one's really broad and not specific at all. I think we can all relate to that one. <laughs> You've got an annoying ass daughter that comes out of nowhere. Oh my God. The play Scrabble. Okay. <laughs> so to give a little recap for those who haven't watched in a while or are unfamiliar, the fault of this first breakup one could generally blame on Christopher, Lorelai, and Emily. I affectionately in my own brain call breakup number one the the princess and the pauper. Yes. Ooh, yes. Yeah, it's like a it's like a classist breakup. Listen, we're not always here to talk about class, but this episode we're getting into it. This is class warfare on Lucas Danes. So to remind everyone, this first breakup happens right after Richard and Emily's vow renewal ceremony. What happens is Emily figures out that Lorelai is getting really serious with Luke. She sees her looking at wedding dresses. She mentions wanting to get married. And in an attempt to break them up, essentially, Emily invites Christopher to the wedding and telling him it is his time to win Lorelai back. Also at the vow renewal ceremony, Luke finds out that Lorelai had a night of drinking with Christopher that she failed to mention to him. And then there is a big fight between the family and Christopher and Luke and Rory. And in the fallout of this fight, Luke tells Lorelai that he needs space. And just to give you a clip of what this big breakup sounded like, it sounds a little like this. I should have told you about that night with Christopher. I know that now. But all that talk from Christopher at the wedding, I didn't see that coming. You should have. Believe me, I am never seeing him again. Never. What are you talking about? He's Rory's father. He'll always be in your life. In her life? No, wait. Look, it was my mother, you know, who did all this. She was the one. She caused all this hateful stuff because Christopher is weak and she knows that. And I am never talking to her again. They're always going to be in your life, too. Your mother, your father. The Gilmores will always be in your life. I can cut them off. No, you just can't cut them off. It doesn't work that way. And they'll never feel differently about me, ever. Look, I'm all in. 
I'm all in. Please trust me. Let me show you what a great girlfriend I can be. But I can't wait. We can't wait. I need to know what you're thinking right now. Fine. You want to know what I'm thinking right now? Then I can't be in this relationship. It's too much. So, obviously... Uh, as you can tell from that sort of messy description, there are a lot of factors in this breakup. The first, I feel like, is kind of a carryover of what we talked about the last episode in that their relationship up until this point has been pretty uneven. So, Katie, how do you think that contributed to this breakup, breakup number one? And when there is an unevenness in relationship, is there bound to be some kind of reckoning with it? I think there is bound to be some kind of reckoning. I don't think it's always in the form of a breakup. Like I definitely think in this instance that was compounded with all the other elements that we're about to discuss. But I agree with what you were saying uh, last time in that, you know, obviously Luke is all in. Lorelai, we know, didn't really respond to that. And we eventually see this nightmare she has after breakup number one about like, why didn't I say anything? I think between those two moments in time, you do see her, you know, soften to him and become more and more all in in this relationship. But mm -hmm. it's slow. And obviously, Luke was already there. So I think any development that was happening was going to take longer. And then because of the other factors didn't necessarily have time to catch up. Something that really struck me in their early stages of dating is a scene early on where they're in bed in Luke's apartment at the diner. And she just is like, I, I think this is going really well, you and me. Uh, don't, don't you think it's going really well? And he says something like, I don't have any complaints, you know, and they banter back and forth. And it stood out to me because I've never seen Lorelai to be that sort of like needing validation girl before. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that that was significantly what this is, but we see again and again that the type of love she has for Luke is different than a type of love she's had for anyone else. Um, yeah. And so I think it's really new territory for her and she doesn't know how to find her footing. So I think it takes her longer in that regard. Like she definitely is behind him. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about, we talked about a little bit last episode, how no one really trips her up the way that Luke does. So it keeps coming back to this point. She makes it to Suki. She makes it to Rory where she's like, I haven't freaked out yet. I don't know why I haven't freaked out yet. And I think the fact that she genuinely feels like, no, I'm not going to bolt in itself freaks her out. I don't know. I think she just doesn't recognize the feeling of it being good. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Like the feeling is so foreign to her that she has to identify it as good. <laughs> But yeah, I agree. I think we see this huge reckoning in this episode where they do break up. And she goes, for those who haven't seen it in a while, it's right after that speech in the grocery store where Luke tells her, I need space. She has this nightmare where she watches essentially their first date on a screen. And it gets to the point where Luke says, I'm all in. Are you scared? And she doesn't say anything. And she says to herself on screen, say something. So I think this is her reckoning of... She didn't realize how deep she was in until she lost it. And I think the way that it contributed to the breakup is that Luke had kind of created a safety net for her. So I think when there were road bumps along the way for Lorelai, she still felt safe in the relationship. But because Lorelai hadn't done the same thing for Luke, like she's not being very open with her feelings. She's not making a lot of compromises for him. And so when there's one hiccup, the relationship gets, gets thrown because he doesn't have the same safety net that he has created for her. She has not created that for him. 
And I think the unevenness really circles back to what you were saying last time about their kiss, even that it wasn't this like mutually we are both ready type kiss. Uh, He did all this work to get ready on his own with his love book and then decided it was ready. And she hadn't done that. So I think at Mm -hmm. least the first like few months of their dating, she had some catching up to do. And it happened to get them out of sync. Yeah. And so part of the reason, though, that I think they are able to recover from this breakup is that she does learn that she is all in through losing him temporarily. Like, we never see her that devastated from any other breakup when Rory has to go comfort her and she's lying in bed. Yeah, she even says that she's like, Mom, this isn't like you. You should be working or something. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's part of the reason that they are able to get back together is that she does have the reckoning. And I think the reckoning can go two ways when a relationship is uneven. Either there's a moment where one confronts the other and they realize that the relationship is not even, they are not both all in, or there is the moment where there is some kind of reckoning and they do and they have to resolve it some way. So they do eventually resolve it, but there are several other factors of this breakup that they have to kind of work through. Let's talk about the sexiest factor. Christopher Hayden. Christopher Hayden in a suit coming to the ceremony 15 minutes late. Oh, classic Chris. And just like, just just lush with his liquor that night. Just loosey-goosey. Uh, But we're even a little ahead of ourselves because that's not quite where the whole Chris thing started. Yeah. So to take it back, basically, Christopher has come back into Lorelai's life in a few ways. The first time we see him come back into her life is because of Gigi, right? Yeah. Uh, Sherry has just up and left Chris to go accept a job in Paris, uh, leaving him with a terrible twosome toddler that he has no idea what to do with. He calls Lorelai freaking out. She shows up to help him. He's disgusting and smelly. They bond. And then Rory finds out about it. Yeah. And Rory goes to Christopher and says, mom is happy. Don't contact her anymore. Stay out of her life. And then for a while, Lorelai is a little confused of why she hasn't heard from Chris in a while. And eventually that leads to Lorelai seeing Christopher at the inn. And then there's more contact. Lorelai and Christopher have this night together where they get very drunk. Christopher's grieving the loss of his father. And Lorelai does not tell Luke about it. So it's this lying or lying by omission idea. So I don't know. What do you think? Do we have to tell our partner every time we see an ex? I think that her heart and her intention behind it was genuinely in the right place. Mm-hmm. However, it did lead to a big mess. So that being said, yes, I think for the sake of safety, overcommunication is the key. What's weird is when Lorelai's all hungover from the night with Christopher, she doesn't even really have a chance to tell Luke that she went over. Luke asks what's wrong with her and Rory like lies for her. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an assumed lie. It's an assumed lie. So that being said, it's still a lie of a mission, but I think that truly Lorelai's thinking was to talk about it would be to make a big deal of it. And I don't want to make a big deal of it because it's not a big deal. So I'm not going to talk about it. But then with all the other elements and with Rory getting involved and with this sort of lie that got bigger than it ever was intended to, as they literally always do. Um, 
it became a big deal on its own. And then I think she had some catching up to do. So that being said, my answer is yes, always tell so that that doesn't happen. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the lesson I learned from this too, because my instinct when in like posing that question is like, no, you don't have to mention to your partner every time you see your ex. And you don't have to mention to your partner every time you see your ex. It's like that conversation Rory has where Lorelai's like, do you want me to tell you every time I see Jess? And she's like, well, if you see him ducking to a bookstore, like, I don't need to hear about that. But if he walks up to you and punches you in the face like that, I want to hear about. And I think that's kind of the same thing, especially when it's a big ex, like, you know, the role that Christopher played in Lorelai's life, especially because... You know, we know that Luke doesn't handle other men in Lorelai's life well. We see how competitive he gets and judgmental he gets. But the first time she sees Christopher and tells him about it, he makes a conscious effort to be like, by the way, it's fine that you saw Christopher. That's like huge for Luke to be able to process his feelings verbally. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's out of character for him. That's showing signs of him growing in a relationship, putting aside his own bullshit for her. And she should have been able to do the same for him. I agree. Here's why I think she wasn't able to. Because back when we were talking about all their exes and the people they dated before, I think Luke closed all those chapters. Like I think, you know, with Rachel, they dated in earnest for a minute and then figured out what the problem was and she left and that was done. And then with Nicole, they really tried it twice, you know? So he sort of turned that whole situation over, figured out it wouldn't work and was done. But if you look at every time Lorelai's gotten back with Christopher, it's been a false start. They never really tried it in earnest because either they started to get together and then he got a new job or and then Sherry or and then Gigi or and then Max. Like there was always something. So Mm. I think that she still had this feeling in her maybe way deep down from before that she had mentioned of, you know, I kind of always thought we'd be together. So I think that if she had resolved all those feelings and all of the history with Chris, she probably would have been able to be open and honest. But I think even subconsciously, she was afraid being open and honest would reveal something. Right. I think when you feel the need to lie about something, when your partner has made it clear that they're fine, there's probably a reason within you that you're lying. And I think you're 100% on that it's those unresolved feelings, which kind of leads us to unresolved feelings on both sides. And I think what makes the Christopher drama even more significant is that at this vow renewal, they have this fight where Christopher is basically like, Lorelai and I belong together. Everyone knows it. Emily knows it. So it's this idea of it's not just seeing any ex, it's seeing an ex that's still in love with you. And all of the forces in the world, it seems, are working to separate you. So that kind of leads us to this vow renewal and all of the fights that happen. Oh my God. It's just, it's just a comedy of errors, this vow renewal. So this fight is rough. Here's a snippet of that fight, just to give you a sense. Rory is my daughter, mine. Oh, really? Well, then where the hell were you when she got the chicken pox but only eat mashed potatoes for a week? Or where were you when she graduated high school or started college? Huh? Who the hell moved her mattress into her dorm and out of her dorm and back into her dorm again? Luke, please, this is not the time. Where I was doesn't concern you. Rory is my daughter and Lorelai's daughter, and that's it. Well, I'm with Lorelai. For now. What does that mean, for now? What is that, a threat? Lorelai and I belong together. Everyone knows it. I know it. Emily knows it. What? Look, I blew it, okay? I know 
that I blew it. You waited and I didn't come through and now you're with him, but it's not too late. Chris, don't. It's not too late. I know it's not too late. Emily told me it wasn't too late. I mean, that's why I'm here, okay? I know you're with him, but it's for now. It's not forever. It's just for now. I, I know that. Luke, I, I don't know what he's talking about. I gotta get out of here. Uh, it's almost Shakespearean. Everyone's saying exactly what they feel. There is no subtext. I mean, it's wild. Luke even saying that he's been more of a father figure to Rory all these years. Like, I'm I like, know. you get him. But throughout the whole day of that ceremony, there's so much Emily and Richard just like undercutting him constantly. It's like kind of appalling. Yeah, what are they doing? Yeah. Where they're like, oh, Emily, Luke's not going to wear that when he shows up in his suit. And then poor Luke's like desperately trying to get like the wrinkles out of his suit. It's so sad. You know, this is also after they have had this dinner with him and then Richard tries to get him to franchise the diner and they're trying to basically rebrand Luke. And apparently they realize that this is not going to work. And so they conspire to break them up in this very dramatic way. Yeah. And this is I'm um, just to introduce it more formally, if you want, the whole third factor in, yes. in the breakup number one. Yeah. And he says, Christopher is always going to be in your life. Your family is always going to be in your life and kind of says that it's too much. Is that a valid reason for bringing up with someone that someone's family is too much drama? I don't know. I kind of want to say no. That being said, mm -hmm. like, listen, he basically went through a trauma. I, anyone would be justified right. in being upset <laughs> right. about that. But I will say it's not like she fed him to the wolves. Did she make a few missteps along the way? Sure. But if you look at that first dinner where he goes over and meets Emily, he's so adorable and sweet and innocent. He like, introduces himself to the maid and she's trying to yeah. help him she's like she's so sweet but she is like oh that's adorable and and everything that emily says lorelei puts the kibosh on and then eventually luke is like stop helping me you're the one stressing me out she's being fine mm -hmm. she's being lovely then proceeds to tear him to shreds the whole night so lorelei was just listening to luke asking her to back off um yeah. perhaps too much i think that I think that when you have a family like the Gilmores, you need to know when to respect someone's wishes and when not to. And that's a weird one because I know, you know, they've had conversations about her listening to him and what he wants, like with the boat on his dark day. So, of right. course, she's trying to listen to him and do what he wants. But I think in this instance, she could have trumped that a little bit by knowing her family and being like, yeah, that's not actually what you want. <laughs> Right. She probably should have known better. She is really excited about the vow renewal ceremony. Like he doesn't want to go to it because of his first experience with the Gilmores. And she's like, no, it'll be fun. It's booze, blah, blah, blah. So I think she really lets her guard down. I think that's why this fight with the family gets so huge for him, because I think you can handle crazy family members lots of drama with your partner if they are being a true partner to you if they are like going into battle with you and i don't think that lorelei was she's like oh i didn't want you to get shanghai but he kind of gets shanghai the whole night because as you were saying she doesn't assume the worst of her family yeah so in general i think it's not a good reason but in this case i do understand why it got so bad for him well and it's really interesting basically this whole season Amy Sherman Palladino makes it easy for us, I think, to pick a side on that issue. We're yeah. always going to love Richard and Emily, like, all day, every day, forever. But they are, for a brief period of time, almost like Disney villain-esque in their scheming. Yes. It's it's some classist-ass bullshit. Between mm -hmm. the, all the stuff they pull with Luke and Christopher, at the same time or around the same time, 
they're pushing all of these high-class boys at Rory, like a whole party when she's dating Mm -hmm. Dean. It's just very nefarious and very bizarre. It's it's a funny Gilmore moment, and you can see where Lorelai learns it from because there's a scene where Richard and Emily have a fight about how Lorelai will talk to Richard and she's asking him for insurance Mm. advice. And Emily's like, you're the favorite and you just love being the favorite. And Richard says something about how, well, if she's talking to me, at least we can keep her in our lives. And it becomes clear that everything they do is motivated by love somehow and by keeping family in their lives. And they just accidentally took out like Machiavelli's Guide to Love from the library yeah. instead of instead of Oprah's or something. Yep. So <laughs> well, they didn't read You Deserve Love. Clearly, they didn't know or listen to it. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. Um, but all in all, I tend to blame Emily and the Gilmores most of all for this breakup. Yeah. Based on the fact that Emily going to talk to Luke instantly solves it, and he runs to Lorelai's door. Yes. And I think that works for a few reasons. Yeah. So they are they are at the like extreme evilness. I think that we ever see them. This is one of the only times we see Rory actually get so mad at them that she won't speak to them too. So I think that's a good test. But also I think this issue between them is more than just your family is a lot of drama. Like we kind of alluded to, there is some class tension going on here, and it's illustrated for us in that um, Luke runs away from the ceremony and goes and Lorelai finds him in a movie theater, and he's watching My Man Godfrey, which is a 1930s kind of Depression-era film about someone low-class dating a socialite. And there's a clip from the movie where she's like, I didn't know they were going to embarrass you. And, you know... Some clear comparisons to be drawn. Yeah, and you and I have seen that Amy really likes to hit us over the head with a sledgehammer. So just in case you listening at home didn't believe us, she sits down in uh, on Big Red to watch it with him. She asks what he's watching. He says, quote, something stupid. And then she watches for a second and says, quote, wow, they sure talked fast in these things. So just in case we weren't sure, we're in a fast-talking world that Luke thinks is stupid. (laughs) And if you uh, were unclear about Amy Sherman Palladino's style and her liking a reference or two in her work, she's just dropped a big one. So I think that it also comes back to this kind of key emotional issue with him, and he doesn't ever really speak openly about the class issue because I think Luke is perfectly comfortable with himself. But it's these people trying to make him into something that he's not. So it's more than just people being extra or people being evil or dramatic. It's them fighting with the core of who he is and saying Mm -hmm. that that is not enough for their daughter. So I see why he is so resistant to them continuing to be in her life. Yeah, it's that. And yeah, it's that they don't think he's good enough for Lorelai when Lorelai is who he loves most in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So As Katie mentioned, it's Emily that kind of solves this breakup. She goes to him and says, you've won. She chose you, Luke. And then while Lorelai watches A Star is Born, uh, Luke comes to the door and kisses her while Judy Garland sings The Man That Got Away. And what I like to think about is that when Gilmore Girls is remade in 40 years and Lorelai is watching the Lady Gaga, A Star is Born, during this scene, that uh, Shallow is going to be playing the makeup. I think that's a really, a really hot take, Megs. 
just a nice little (laughs) while they kiss on the porch. I will send you a coffee if you keep that in. You're singing. I will send you a drink. So yeah, so then they get back together and I, I, in the telling of them getting back Mm. together, I would like a brief moment of silence for the amazing, again, ASP symmetry of awkwardness from their first, first date to their second first date. When he Mm -hmm. comes to the door and she comes to the door and his truck's there and they don't know what to do. It's great. They're like, we know how to do this. We've done this before. (laughs) We've done this before. And then they talk about it, which I think shows great strides. Ah, yes. So they get back together and everything's great for a while. And then the major drama in the Gilmore Girls plot is that Rory steals the boat, drops out of Yale, moves into her grandparents' house, which obviously devastates Lorelai. And so Lorelai comes to the diner. Luke immediately goes into problem-solving mode. First off, we call Yale. And we tell him something like, uh, Rory had a chemical imbalance and she was medically out of her mind when she told him she was dropping out. And then we get her out of your parents' house whatever way we can. We lock her up in her room with you because you can talk her into this. You can talk anybody into anything. And then if worse comes to worse... We will drive her to school every day, and we will follow her to class and camp out there to make sure she goes. I'll take morning classes, you take afternoon classes, or the other way around if it works out better for your schedule. And I know there's a few kinks to work out, and the kidnapping thing might be a little problematic, but either way, she is not quitting school. This was her dream. I am not going to let this happen. Luke, will you marry me? I'm some mixed thoughts about this proposal, but what I love about it is watching her process and, like, good on Lauren Graham. Because you really do see the beat of, wow, this person is going to take care of me forever to, should I really do this? And then she does it. She asks him Mm -hmm. to marry her. Do we know, this is sort of a tangential question, but I have a point. Mm -hmm. What is Lorelai's sign? Do we know? Because I almost wanted to call her a Gemini just because I recognize in myself this fact that she usually is so impulsive. Like normally she's like, oh, let's just do it. Let's just get in the car and go type of girl. And you see that again even later a couple times. But In this moment, I agree with you. What's so nice and what feels really spot on about it is that it's slow. It's like a slow, Mm -hmm. soft, quiet realization. And she's watching him and you just believe her, you know, you just you see her finally, I think that's the moment that she's all in, you know, like a ton of bricks. She's like, I cannot live without this person. And to your point, I think what ends up happening is that when she's all in, she's all in and when she agrees to get married, she wants to get married. And I think that him not being able to move at that pace is a major factor in contributing to this upcoming breakup. Yeah. And it's interesting, though. What are your thoughts on the style of the proposal? <laughs> I I think for me, and like, listen, I don't think Lorelai Gilmore even though she had like the thousand yellow daisies uh, idea in the first season, which is ironic that she's gone from needing a thousand yellow daisies to this. But I actually genuinely don't think Lorelai has thought a lot about weddings and proposals. And she says that later in the season, that weddings were kind of a solution to her. It was never anything romantic. I am someone who has thought a lot about my own proposal and how I would like to be proposed to. So for me, there's something about this proposal that doesn't sit right? Because I like a grand gesture. And there was always something that felt like anticlimactic about this proposal because then they like, you know, they're trying to get drinks and they can't get drinks. And they can't. Yeah. And they don't even kiss. Like there's something awkward about it. And so that always bugged me because I feel like they earned 
a better moment. But you're right. It is romantic watching her. It's really romantic watching her. For me, I agree with you that there's something kind of off. And I think what it is is I feel like she did it out of fear. Mm-hmm. I do think that everything she realizes about Luke is real and earned yeah. and honest. But I think it happens at a really bad time. <laughs> I think yeah. she realizes how important Luke is to her on the same night that she's lost like everything else that's important in her mm-hmm. life. Specifically Rory, who is the most important person that she thought she would never lose. So I think she has like a double realization of, oh, my God, I love this man so much. Holy shit, I can't lose him, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it it feels so bizarre because it's you realize that you love him so much. It should come with this realization also that this love deserves like a great ceremony. Right. But she can't because to your point, she's impulsive, you know, because Luke's like, this feels weird, right? Are you sure you want to celebrate right now? And she goes, I just want to feel happy right now. And we see that, you know, when she needs to take off on a road trip after the Max relationship ends, we see that where she runs to Christopher when she needs to feel good again. So yeah, I agree. I think all feelings are genuine, but she is who she is. So she is not going to give it its proper moment. Yeah. So not what I would want. Uh, So I see why Patty and Babette have a weird um, reaction to it, even though I don't know (laughs) that would fly today because it's perfectly okay as a woman to propose to the man. That's not the not romantic part of it. Correct. I'm probably going to end up having to propose because whatever I plan will probably be better than what anyone else plans. (laughs) That's awesome. I accepted that a long time ago. Okay, so they get engaged. The only hesitation there is is that she doesn't want to plan a wedding until things are good with Rory. To her credit and to your point that you just made, in the second bout of the relationship before breakup number two, she gets way better at expressing her feelings. (laughs) She sure does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on the same day... That Rory returns to Lorelai's life. April Nardini is introduced into Luke's. April comes in and does a DNA test, and it turns out that Luke is her father. So basically what unfolds throughout this season, it's like a full season, half season, Mm -hmm. is that Luke is trying to figure out how April fits into his life. He is pushing Lorelai away. They end up postponing the wedding, which devastates Lorelai. Lorelai is pushed to her edge. And eventually they break up after Lorelai essentially gives him an ultimatum. And it sounds something like this. For months now, I've been skulking around, not saying anything, not having an opinion on anything. Like I'm Clarence Thomas or something. And I, 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 I'm done with that. I, I've been waiting for a long time and I don't want to wait anymore. I have to think this through. No. I have April. You're going to have to figure out how April fits into our lives, not the other way around. I'm trying. Well, try married. Just wait. No, I'm not waiting. It's now or never. I don't like ultimatums. I don't like Mondays, but unfortunately they come around eventually. I can't just jump like this. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. So this breakup, there are a few contributions to it, one being the presence of April Nardini's. Let's just start with the elephant in the room. Let's talk about her. Listen, I know it's not a hot take to not like April Nardini. So really, truly, (laughs) when I watched this time, I was like, I'm going to be really empathetic because now I'm an adult and I'm closer probably to having children than being a child. So maybe I'll be more empathetic. Uh, 
No, she's still so annoying. <laughs> Listen, this is how Lane describes April. She she said she spends 20 minutes reading the instructions before you play a board game. No, that's an annoying person that is not a person I want hanging around Luke's diner. It's honestly mostly because I truly do think April changes Luke's behavior towards Lorelai for the worse, obviously. And I just still want to make it clear, just my last little thing in my rant. I am not being a bully. I was not cool when I was 12. (laughs) I was an April Nardini. I won my science fair too. That's funny. I think she, I think Luke needed a weird child. I don't think Luke could have had a normal child. That being said, I think Luke is sometimes an asshole towards children. And which is usually pretty charming. But I think that he needed a kid who he couldn't be an asshole towards. Yeah, Um, that thank you. I had to really scrape for it. Uh, That being said, it's like, I mean, Rory was smart and precocious, too. but She just wasn't irritating about it. And listen, I think she makes him softer. I think she makes him more empathetic. She kind of solves this issue of him wanting to have a kid. She really does make him become a like more feeling well-rounded person. And in a way that I think only a parent-child relationship can do. So I understand all the logical reasons that she is in the plot. She just like drives me crazy. She, I just think it's, an, I think it comes back to audacity. You know, Stars Hollow is a tight-knit community and I felt intruded upon. Mm-hmm. Listen, we've established that because this is our ship, we're allowed to be a little irrational. That's how you captain exactly. a ship. That's how you captain a ship. And that's <laughs> what makes you good at talking shit. Yeah. It's just like a slight amount of petty. A small <laughs> amount of petty. Okay. But let's talk about why she really matters to the relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So what basically happens is Luke doesn't tell Lorelai for a long time, for two months that he knows two about months. April. Two months. So there's two parts. There's the not telling initially, and then there is how long he draws it out. And I think mm-hmm. both are terrible. I do understand him wanting some space to get to know April on his own. Like that, I don't think is an unreasonable request because I feel I personally am like a pretty independent person who wants to be able to handle things on my own and understand my own responses to changes in my life before I incorporate a partner in that. But she should have known right away. And then that should have been a discussion that they had had. And I honestly think that would have solved everything. Yeah. What's crazy, too, in uh, ASP hitting us overhead with a sledgehammer is like three scenes prior to meeting April. uh, Luke and Lorelai have this huge fight at dinner with Suki and Jackson in which Luke very strongly takes the stance of, I just need a little honesty from you because he walked in and Christopher was leaving a message and... Uh, Lorelai said, you know, that's the first time that's happened and Luke didn't believe her, but he very firmly takes the stance of you're my partner. I need you to be honest with me. And so it's really wild then to see something introduced into his life that makes him reevaluate these thought processes that were obviously so black and white to him. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that a lot of it, what it is too, is like you said, all of this coming in on the heels of Lorelai's reconciliation with Rory. Like she comes in bursting and so happy about it like she's back and we don't want to spook her and give us all these fries we don't want to lose her again and I think that first of all not knowing he was a father for 12 years definitely was upsetting to Luke 
right. uh, already I think gives him feelings of sort of inadequacy in terms of like, what could I have been doing that I wasn't doing? And then Lorelai comes bursting in having found perfection with her perfect parent-child relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think he once again starts comparing himself to her life or just to things that he's not or things that he should be in his mind. Yeah. And so I think that if even there was something in his brain that was going to tell her right away, suddenly he's like, God, how could I? What kind yeah. of father am I? There is very little speaking to feelings. And I think that's what makes this whole thing messy. And eventually he does tell her she's going to like you better. You're more colorful. You know, you're basically a walking cartoon character. Once you're in her life, it's all over for me. At the end of the day, this idea of keeping April separate from Lorelai is not a sustainable idea. And, you know, I talked earlier, I'm like, I'm a pretty independent person, but I think the thing about love, the thing that we all talk about and sing about and write about is that it makes you a better person. It raises you up. It completes you. It makes you braver and stronger and more vulnerable because you have a person beside you. And I think he's not allowing the love of his life into this huge part of his life. It's like he can't process both of these things at once. And he's so in his mm-hmm. head that he stops showing up for Lorelai in the same way because he has to show up for April. It's like he can't hold these two things separately. And so he drops one of them and he drops Lorelai. Yeah. Ugh, it's just bad at juggling is the issue. So the second factor that, you know, we kind of started talking about is Luke's got a lot going on in his head as he says in the breakup fight, I can't jump like this. And so it's this unwillingness for him to make the leap and get married. So why do we think this was? What's going on with him? And is it something Lorelai should have respected or was an ultimatum necessary? I think it's the compounding of factors, like you were just saying. I think if just one of these things that were going on was going on, he would have been able to cope and figure it out because we've seen him try. We really have. But I think that all of it going on, and he almost says as much at the carnival with everything going on, he Mm -hmm. just can't process it all. And so I really truly think like if just April was happening, he could have processed it better. If just the wedding was happening, he could have processed it better. But you've said this before that, you know, you see Luke as someone who likes comfort and and stability in the fact that like he doesn't like change you know he wears the same Mm -hmm. flannel and hat and he doesn't change the diner and I think that that brings him comfort you know seeing things the way they should be i.e exactly the way they always have been I don't think that that means he can't process change I just think that this was too much too soon yeah I don't think an ultimatum is ever the move but I do understand how Lorelai got there because I I feel that I've been in the relationship where one person processes things really slowly or they're really in their head all the time or they have a lot of anxiety over something and so that causes them to move a little bit slower in the relationship or being a little more withholding of affection or withholding of love or whatever it is and It is kind of infuriating to be on the other side of that because sometimes you feel like your love for me should be greater than your fear or greater than your anxiety or greater than whatever internal debate you have going inside your heart and your mind. Putting them to the test to fight for you and then having them not do it is devastating. And you feel like Mm -hmm. it's because of you. You can't see logically that it's their own thing. You feel like if they loved you enough, if it was right 
then they would be fighting for you. So I understand completely yeah. like how she got there. It's interesting because that's so funny you said that because one of my thoughts watching Lorelai leading up to the ultimatum was literally, how did she get there? And mm-hmm. I'll explain that too because I everything that you're saying, I see and it makes perfect sense. But leading up to the ultimatum, she spends the better part of an episode and then a little bit of the episode before like moping and telling various people it's it's not going to happen. The wedding's not going to happen. I can't yeah. believe I deluded myself into thinking it was going to happen. And I was watching her have that certainty. And I was like, how did you get to that conclusion? And then you learn from her amazing therapy session with Melora Hardin in the car. God bless. What a guest star. Melora is a queen. Melora is the best in everything. I'm so sorry that she had to be named Linny. <laughs> yeah, rough. Um, let's talk about <gasps> lifetime career. Melora Hardin. Lifetime, lifetime career, career. Mm-hmm. good in just anything. Just a bad bitch does. on everything. Listen, if you're a straight white man, she's Jan in the office, and if you're anything else, she's Jacqueline Carlisle on the bold type. So we learn from this amazing therapy session that she has with Melora in the car that you know Lorelai has all these feelings about marriage, and you see it even from what you said, Megan, where she all along has been like, I can't believe I'm not bolting. I can't believe I'm not bolting. Mm -hmm. And you see her talk to Rory about the dress and she's like, what's wrong? It's too easy. Like, I agree with what you were saying about Luke's neuroses and his, you know, coping mechanisms getting in the way on that side. And I was so ready. I really wanted to pin breakup number two on Luke and be like, this one's on him. But I think it's kind of just as much on Lorelai because she clearly has all these neuroses built in of not believing in marriage or like Mm -hmm. only having seen her parents' marriage and not wanting anything like that. And, you know, always bolting. And I think she has been looking for a crack the whole time and then found one in that he wasn't willing to jump for her. And to her credit, I don't think prior to this, she would have gone and like talked to him about it. So I'm glad that she went and talked to him about it. Yeah. But I think that, That being said, she had this breakthrough of wanting to talk about it. And instead of healthily having that, she went through it in his face. Yeah. And like vomited it all over him. Yeah. She went full ultimatum. Uh, What I also like about the therapy scene is that at the beginning of the season, she fully mocks therapy and Rory going to therapy. And so I just think good on Amy Sherman Palladino for correcting that stigma. All y'all should go to therapy. And that's on character development. You're 100% right. She has this breakthrough in being able to talk about her feelings at all in a healthy way. But she's Lorelai and she goes full steam ahead into what makes sense in her brain and needing to fix things quickly. And I think the solution for her is the wedding. And the moment that that is not the solution to her when he can't jump in the two seconds she allows him to be able to jump, she has to solve the problem Again, that's all I'm saying is this brings us to factor three. But Mm -hmm. in terms of an ultimatum, if you're going to offer one, give someone some time to meet it. And then listen, he does. Within like 24 hours, he shows up ready to elope with her to Maryland or whatever. And within Mm -hmm. that time, she fucks it up via factor three. Sexy factor three. (laughs) The sexiest factor of all. Before we go into factor three, I just have to say my little bit of trivia. When she's walking away from the fight, from the big ultimatum breakup fight, it's the episode where there's a bunch of new troubadours in town that are trying to make it after their troubadour gets discovered. And the 
one that's singing that we pass as she's walking away is singing Taking Pictures by Sam Phillips. And it is Sam Phillips. And she also sings Reflecting Light, which is the song that they dance to at Liz's wedding. So it's oh. this lovely symmetry moment. That's some nice symmetry there. Yeah. And also she sings all the lalas on the show. La 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 la. The slide. That is the best lala of all of them. <laughs> it's, a good one. it's better than la 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 Because that one's, that one's like sad. I have something to learn. But the one I did was like we've yeah. learned something. So factor three. Lorelai being Lorelai and needing to solve something immediately or take immediate action ends up sleeping with Christopher that night. And as we just talked about, it's heartbreaking because the next morning or whatever, within the next two days, Luke shows up, car packed, ready to go wherever, having already called bed and breakfasts to elope. And Lorelai tells him, I slept with Christopher and he has no words and walks away. And that's what really, really ends it. So why does she do this? Why does she self-sabotage? And (laughs) why do people do this in general? Because it's a thing that people do. People sabotage all the time. So what do you think causes Lorelai to do this? I think it's what you were saying earlier about how, you know, Luke challenges her and that love makes her uncomfortable in ways that Mm. love has not previously. And she very verbally realizes as much when she's talking to Melora Hardin in the car. She says she didn't love Max and she goes, you know, I don't think I really loved anyone until Luke. And I think that seeing how different this relationship is for her. And I think that freaks her out. And obviously having just laid all her cards on the table is a big move and a big step towards vulnerability that she hadn't done before. So I think in the wake of that, she just goes falling back into all her old patterns, self-destructive or not, in the mm-hmm. form of literally, you know, running to Christopher and sleeping with Christopher because he's yeah. comfortable. Yeah. I think a lot of her, like, irrational action can be traced back to her not being able to sit with uncomfortable feelings and needing to, quote unquote, solve them right away. And I think you're right. She's so far deep in with Luke in a way she never has been. And I think what is most uncomfortable for her through this whole season, but through this breakup, has been the uncertainty, the not knowing if she's going to be able to seal the deal. You know, she like finally put her cards on the table, is ready for marriage, and it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen, and it feels uncomfortable, and I feel like she can't stand to be made the fool, you know, to feel like she's the one losing out. She's the insecure one. She's the one getting hurt. And so I think in order to put this firmly behind her to solve any unknowns and once and for all declare to herself that it is over, she sleeps with Christopher. Because right away in the morning, she's not like, "Mm, yay, Christopher, I want to be with you. Like that plot line takes a while. She's immediately like, Chris, I'm leaving. And then Luke kind of tries to come and see her. And she's like, no, it's over. And to Suki, I think she says it like has to be over. So I think Mm -hmm. she did that in whatever level of conscious that she is of her feelings to fully put it behind her so that she doesn't have to sit with her feelings in it anymore. And then Luke drives to the city just to punch Chris in the face. Iconic. And then leaves without saying a word. It's great. So there are these two big breakups. I think obviously the second 
feels more devastating than the first. When is a breakup a relationship ender? And when is it a breakup that you hold on some hope? Like if you had friends going through this sort of situation, if you're Suki or you're Liz, when do you tell someone to hold on and when do you tell someone to let it go? I think my perspective on that changes depending on what type of breakup it is. Like Mm -hmm. we've seen, you know, two different types here. I think if it's a breakup like their first one, I'd say essentially you owe it to yourself and to them to dive back in and give it a real chance. Because I think that was a breakup more out of, you know, pride and discomfort than it was out of genuine detrimental fundamental issues. Um, Which is not to say that the things that led up to it weren't shitty. They were, but I think they were sort of surface level in terms of how they affected the connection between Luke and Lorelai. So Mm -hmm. I would say that you can deal with if you decide that your love is important enough to try. After breakup two, it's kind of more of a dealer's choice. I think I'd say if you go back, you have to be willing to change. I think now that Mm -hmm. you've given it a go in earnest and seen what genuine issues arose and tripped you up, you know, you can't just jump in and pretend that it'll all fix itself or go back to some version of normal. I think it's going to take some real work. So at that point, it's a decision of are you willing to put in that work on yourself? Is the relationship worth that level of effort? A hundred percent. I agree completely. And I think you have to have the awareness to identify at all what the issues were that caused the breakup. And I think the only reason they kind of do find their way back to each other is that both of them separately work on their own issues and then are able to acknowledge them and apologize to each other about them. And I think without that, they couldn't have gotten back together. I feel like after breakup number one, there's still some like tension between them in in that kind of romantic, you know, you feel it in your gut sort of way. And I feel like you see that when in one of my favorite episodes where Kirk plays Tevia and Fiddler on the Roof and they're playing <laughs> uh, Do You Love Me? And obviously this is Gilmore Girls. It's a very, very uh, heavy handed comparison to what they're actually feeling. But I think in general that you can tell when something feels unresolved and there's still tension between you for usually external factors that caused you to miscommunicate versus when the issues are within yourself. All of this brings us to our final segment of the episode, All Aboard! Lifeboat Edition. Yes, usually we talk about the moment that had us completely on board this ship. However, since we are talking about breakups this episode, we're going to talk about the moments that we would have manned the lifeboats. (laughs) Save our ship! S-O-S, get off red flags. Um, The biggest red flag for me in terms of the breakups and the fact that things were not working with the way they were pursuing the relationship was at the carnival when she suggested they postpone the wedding and he was so enthusiastic about it. Mm. Um, Which, because, listen, in a vacuum, neither of those things are bad. She's totally allowed to offer that and he's totally allowed to accept. But... The way they did it, you could tell that they were not on the same page because she was Mm -hmm. so upset about it and he was so enthusiastic. And you can just see the disappointment on her face with how happy he was to postpone the wedding. So I think they were really kind of trying and treading water. But from that moment on, in my eyes, they were out of sync. They really fell out of step. Yeah. And I'm still bitter that they didn't get that wedding that they planned because it sounded beautiful. (gasps) The merry-go-round. It was so cute. The moment for me that I would have gone on the lifeboats is obviously we talked about his initial mistake of not telling Lorelai right away. 
But for me, it's the way that he refuses to communicate about it as it's happening. I think this is really well illustrated in the Martha's Vineyard episode where they join Rory and Logan in Martha's Vineyard. And at the beginning of the episode, she's been feeling weird about April. They've been not communicating about it. He's grumpy. It's awkward. It's like a terrible trip. And then towards the end of the episode, they have this conversation where she's like, I just am feeling like the wedding's not going to happen. And he's like, no, I love you. I am going to marry you. You know that I love you, right? And she's like, it'd be really nice to hear that once in a while. And they have this really lovely conversation and they wake up in the morning. They're like talking about their childhood and going to this beach. And you see that when they are communicating, they're great. It's like for that moment... After they have a feelings conversation, they go back to the way things were. And he's like, maybe we should elope. He's all on board. And then they get back to Stars Hollow and April comes up within the first 15 seconds of being in the diner and it's back to him not communicating at all. So for me, it's the way that he refuses to communicate about it that would have been the worst part of it for me. Agreed. Communication is key. Guys, go to therapy, communicate <laughs> with your partners. That's all we're saying. That's all we're saying. And maybe keep sexy exes uh, far from your life. Maybe send them to me. <laughs> <laughs> send them. Or wait, listen, we're bi-coastal. So, you know, no matter where they are, they have an option. <laughs> all this breakup talk made me sad. Yeah, this one was a doozy and a downer, but we have so many good things to talk about next episode. I, I can't wait to like play Cupid and get back together. Guys, thank you for bearing with it. I hope that you learned something from it. Listen, I learned from their breakups. To be honest with you, I can identify the breakups I've had that feel close to these breakups. So yeah, me too, especially revisiting now as an adult. All right. Well, as always, you can find us on social media at Talking Ship Podcast and tell us your thoughts on these breakups. What are the parts of, about it that hit the hardest for you? Tell us your thoughts on April Nardini and Christopher and all of the things that contributed to their breakups. And if you've had breakups similar to this, we want to know. We want to talk about it because that's what we do. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. All right, everyone. That's our show, as they say. Thank you so much to Katie Butterwitz for being here. You can follow her on Instagram at Katie underscore Bud and on Twitter and TikTok at Katie Butterwitz. Thank you to Chris Meisner for composing our fabulous theme music that you're currently listening to. You can find him on Instagram at Chris underscore Meisner, M-E-I-S-S-N-E-R. And you can follow the podcast on Instagram while you're there. We're at Talking Ship Podcast or visit our website, TalkingShipPodcast.com. And if you want to follow me, I'm at OnlyMegan815 on all of the platforms. That's Megan with no H. Thank you very much. And 815 like Flight 815 from Lost. Yep, that's quite literally the reason. Please, please subscribe to and review the pod if you want to be a pal. And if you don't want to be a pal, that's ultimately your choice. I can't really stop you, but I do hope you keep listening either way. So that's it. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you feel satisfied and satiated. And I hope you join us again. This has been Talking Ship.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.